0: This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk, and financial solutions.
1: Yeah, yeah. Fundies called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stopping as bulls
0: to talk their own book. Get the
1: money. Get the money. Get,
0: get the money. Well, Ben Griffiths, you're uh, you're one of our semi regulars on the show, so I really appreciate you coming back on and, and giving us some of your time today.
1: Chris, it's always a pleasure to come on. Thanks for having me.
0: And now, before we get into your stock of choice that you want to discuss, I thought it'd just be good to to get an update on Eli Griffith's group, how your two funds have been going, and and maybe how you're viewing the the market overall from a a top-down view.
1: Well, Chris, it's been a busy time. We're in a full-blown bull market, which uh, at that point won't have escaped you, of course. So, um, lots going on. Um, Plenty of deals to consider. Um, And, and of course, uh, shepherding the portfolios through what has been a breakneck market, Pretty well since the March quarter of 2020, it's been kind of one-way traffic, hmm. and I guess now we're moving into a little bit of um, a little bit of turbulence um, that comes with the AGM season, which is um, I guess we're going to hear more and more updates from companies, and so many companies chose not to give pretty clear guidance at the uh, at the full year results they deferred until October November, so we're going to have a chance to look at some of these businesses. At the same time, we've got the US the US reporting season unfolding as well, and so we'll get some. Some genuine insights there into what's happening, um, corporate America, supply chain, demand, inflation, all that stuff. So that's going to come our way. We're going to be pretty busy. But look, let's not, let's not get too clouded on market direction and get too anxious about all that stuff. What we have when we look at stock markets right now is we have a fairly stable environment. We have, we have, we have credit spreads, which are the, for me, one of my favorite tools. It's one of the ultimate arbiters of whether you're an equity investor or you're sitting in cash. Credit spreads are quite quite subdued. They're quite benign. They're where you'd like them. So swimming safe for equities as a general statement. Liquidity is still good. Fair to say as the real economy recovers, it tends to chew some of the excess liquidity away that has been firehosed into equity markets and, and risk markets. But liquidity is still good. Valuations aren't too bad. Valuations aren't cheap. But with interest rates so low, it's why PEs have expanded. So I think valuations are where you think they might be. Um, equity risk premiums, one of my favourite yardsticks, they are very supportive of an equity allocation over bonds. Um, all's not going, you know, according 100% of the plan, um, the, the whole SPAC phenomena, the cash box phenomena in the US, the SPACs, they were a real barometer of how investors had got well and truly ahead of themselves. Um, that has really died down. And it's interesting to see the SPAC index, which was all the go in the March quarter, year to date, the SPAC index is down 10%. Versus um, down 10 percent, the markets up 17, and the d market and the D-spac market are the spacs that have gone and spent the money and bought a business. They've done what they're supposed to have done. The D-spacs are down 38 percent for the year, so that's quite an anomaly there. I think a few investors have been caught up. Beyond that, we've got the yield curve steepening, and that has particular implications. It confirms that the world is in a cyclical recovery, which is great. We're in a bit. We're in a, what we call a bear steepener phase of the yield curve, which tells you you should own cyclicals and material stocks, resource names. That will give rise to a bear flattener. We think probably mid to late next year, where the rotation will occur, where you'll sell those sorts of names and you'll buy your good quality growth names. Um, and as I said, as I start off the conversation, we've got the AGM season coming and the US reporting season, and I think that will set the very immediate term tone for the market. So let's not get too carried away. The underpinnings are good. There might be a bit of turbulence ahead.
0: What's your cash position like compared to normally? Are you about average? Are you higher? Are you you're more fully invested than you usually are?
1: We've been pretty well fully invested since that March 20 low that I talked about, which was the COVID low we, we will now reference it as. We've been pretty well fully invested since then. But I would acknowledge in the last week or two, we've let cash probably stray a little higher. And again, that's intentional. We we want to know. We we were hoping that we, we might see a couple of um a couple of gems fall out of the reporting season, get probably hit a bit hard, and then we'll step up. So cash is probably slightly higher than it has been for the last twelve to eighteen months.
0: And what stock did you want to talk about today? Well, I wanted to walk you through a stock
1: that's been um been a little little knocked around in the market uh, of late. Um, that's Virtus Health, and Virtus and, Health is a is a is an operator in the IVF, or more correctly called these days assisted reproduction services uh, sector.
0: What's the macro view for that sector? what's what's the outlook for the industry? It appears that more and more couples are are moving towards towards uh, these type of fertility options to uh, to have kids as the top-down view there. Well, I
1: think Chris, it's it's the point needs to be made, and that is that one in six couples will experience some sort of fertility issue with trying to get pregnant. If you overlay the rising, the global um, disease of obesity on top of that, the whole fertility issue becomes complicated, more entrenched, and more difficult to to resolve. There's no doubt about that. And um, that's a growing threat um, and represents a very large unmet medical need. The proposition for groups like Virtus and other fertility groups is, is simply that the penetration of these sorts of groups into that. Infertility market is very low. It's sort of high single digit, low double digit penetration. So the top-down view in the first instance is this is a, a medical need that has barely really been um, looked at or treated. So I think the opening the opening gambit is it's it's a, it's a it's a, um, it's, a, it's a medical problem in term in
0: need of a solution. And the market doesn't really appear to like it. It's been pretty soft the last couple of months, what's the market seeing? And, and what are you seeing differently to, to what the share price is saying at the minute?
1: Yeah, that's a good pickup, Chris. I mean, what has happened, the Vertus stock price was trading at $7.50 not too long ago. Today, before we came on air, it was, was about $5.50. So it's been, it's been hit. In the midst of that process, they raised circa $50 million at around $6.80 that institutions, including ourselves, participated in. So they've raised money. And they've bought Adora Fertility and Adora Fertility is a, is a business that was owned previously by Helios. They've bought that business and that's the number three player in the Australian market. So you've got Vertis you've got at number one, you've got Adora at number three, one and three are coming, basically coming together. And I think what we're seeing is the market has some angst as, as the market does around many takeovers, most takeovers about the ability to integrate the two businesses The market is a little anxious um, around how much revenue leakage might fall out of the combined business in favour of Monash, the competitor. And I think think those those concerns are natural and normal, but I think they're probably being a bit overplayed. The other issue I think that the market is grappling with is post the full year result. um, The market said, look, Virtus enjoyed 26% cycle, what they call fresh egg cycle growth in the year versus last year. That's a very strong number. How do you repeat that number? Um, That's also a fair question, but Monash came out and said, second half calendar 21, they're seeing their inquiry levels for IVF processes up 8% versus the first half. So that's continuing a strong trend, 8% lifted inquiries, 60 to 70% of inquiries end up being procedures. So that's a very good start, I would suggest, um, for the FY22 year for these operators, if that anecdote's correct. Now, we're gonna hear more from, from Virtus at their AGM on the 18th of November, where they won't necessarily, Chris, give us quantitative guidance, but they will give us a feel for what's going on in the sector. The other issue that, that, um, that, that I think is impacting the market is there's concerns about market share loss, that Virtus is losing its share of the market. I do think the, uh, the Adora acquisition goes some way to solving that, one and three get together, where they can recast uh, recast pricing and do all sorts of things there. I should add, too, that acquisition will pass um, the, under the purview of the ACCC. They want to have a closer look at that transaction and to see whether that, um, that it scrubs up OK. Both sides are confident that that uh, deal will happen. But that, uh, no doubt, is another, another angst, a point of anxiety. And the final point to answer your question, because it was a good one, and, it, and it's, it's why we've got an opportunity in Vertus is this seemingly seeming collapse in the share price. It's the fact that you can't get too far away from the very close correlation between discretionary income growth and people's propensity or willingness to engage in assisted reproduction or or, um, IVF processes. Mm. Now, right now, the economy is buoyant. We're all feeling a bit beaten up post lockdown, of course, but the economy fundamentally is buoyant. We've got a few dollars in our pocket. We've got some money in the bank. Um, the job market's tight, your house is worth a little bit more today than it was a, a year ago. That affluent effect is probably sponsoring increased activity. The market, I think, is saying, well, that will that that can't go on forever. But I but I think that the crux of the issue is that will go on a bit longer than you think. So I think we're in for a good good period of consumer activity. And I think that's going to bode well for groups like Virtus who are doing uh, assisted reproduction.
0: And the fact that the ACCC is as is- or is having a look through this acquisition, does that speak to you that this will be the last acquisition they're able to make of note in Australia for a while?
1: Look, at, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, that might be the case, um, that they'll have some reasonable concentration in the market Look, it's not uncommon. The ACCC um, will we'll, we'll often have a look at, we'll look at many transactions, especially pub, high-profile public companies, and ones that have got commanding market shares. I don't know that there's necessarily um, many other businesses that, um, that Virtus want to acquire. There might be some smaller operators in, in geographies that they're not big in, and they may well stand up to their own scrutiny, the fact that they're in a geography that's not currently represented. But I look I, I think um, look um, the, the a C um, has a as an interesting part history in terms of um, approving um, asset acquisition and takeovers um, both sides seem confident that, 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 that the deal will get up um, so I'm I'm, I'm I'm reasonably relaxed that that will be the case
0: and you mentioned you mentioned obesity earlier on and, and the fact that that's a tailwind for a, a business like Vertus I was interested to hear there the correlation between uh, you know, expendable income, if you like, and, and these types of businesses. Is there also some secular changes around people having kids later, uh, perhaps lifestyle issues around higher stress, diet? Perhaps a business like this is on a long-term secular tailwind where people are choosing to have kids later for a whole number of reasons and, and hence finding it harder?
1: Oh, totally. Uh, the, the, that's that's another key part of the, the, the macro driver that I that I actually didn't touch on. I think the whole, the whole COVID um, situation we've come through is, has, has, has reasserted the importance of family. And I think it's, um, it's reasserted the importance of, let's get on with the family now. Um, who knows what's around the corner? So that's certainly happening. There's no doubt about it. Uh, women are having, opting to have children later in life. And in many cases like that, they need assisted reproductive facilities. Um, so, they, so they are, they are certainly uh, to be made available. The costs of the procedures uh, have come down substantially from when they first, when we were first doing IVF, the cost is probably almost halved. I think I was reading the other day. Um, a, there, there once was a little bit of a stigma about it. I mean, you or I mightn't have mightn't have thought twice about it, but some people were a bit, a bit self-conscious about, um, about, about going into this um, into this sort of procedure. I think that's well and truly, well and truly um, behind us. Um, the accessibility is there. I think the, the the reliability and the of the of the process and the procedure now, with some you know, powerful drugs and fantastic world-class facilities, great specialists. I mean, it's really come of age from the from the early days. So I think that's a that's an absolutely pivotal driver to this being a, a, a modern solution to a modern healthcare issue. Um, let's face it. It's a, it's a it's a it's a modern solution.
0: And talk me through the numbers. Talk me through sort of market cap, revenue, PE.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, let's 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 have a look at it. I mean, essentially, um, you mentioned the share price has come back, and that clearly brings about a derating effect. Vertices PE at the moment's on a twelve times PE. Its five year average PE is a number around thirteen times, so it's trading in a discount to, to its long term average. Um, it's also trading at its nearest its nearest comp its nearest comparable company of course is Monash and Monash trades on a 15 times multiple and coincidentally its long-term average is also around 13 times so Virtus is priced attractively versus its own rating and its 3p turns cheaper than Monash and we would argue that the integrated nature of of um, of Virtus with its clinics with its diagnostic labs and its day hospitals it's a it's a more integrated offer, a more integrated solution. Um, it, it's traveling and trading at three times the three P points cheaper. So I would suggest the valuation is misplaced. It's been hard done by. And while we're talking valuation, I should remind you that just recently there's been several transactions in Europe, merger and acquisition, um, transactions that have that have that have occurred at multiples between 12 and 14 times EBITDA. Now, Virtus trades on about seven and a half times an EV to EBITDA. These transactions have happened at 12 to 14 times EBITDA. Now, if I put the international business that Virtus has um, on those sorts of multiples, I get a valuation of around $200 million for their international piece. The market cap of Virtus is only 470 million. So it's about 40% of the market cap could be ascribed to a part of the business that actually is a small part of the business for Virtus. Virtus, it, it, Virtus, 20% of their business is internationally sourced. The rest of it is, of course, an Australian business. So you can almost start engineering some of the parts that suggest that Virtus has been oversold, that there are international multiples that suggest, to reflect on some of your points, there are macro drivers, that this sector is, is new, it's kind of infant, and, it's, and it's, um, it's growing. So I think there's a very clear mispricing that's happened here. Um, the market, as it often does, has acted first. Um, it's sold the stock. Um, it may take time for a lot of these moving parts to sink in um, and, and actually for the appreciation to, to become obvious. The point I didn't make to Avertis but when we started the conversation is it's just undergone a, um, a new management change out. So the last 18 months, we've got a new CEO and we've got a new CFO. Now, now both are, um, are outstanding operators. Um, I've met both of them several times. Um, so we, we like the, the plan. The business was always a very cost conscious, conservative, well structured um, uh, business with a very, very powerful platform. Um, I think what we're seeing now is the underinvestment that the previous management have have kind of been guilty of is now to be addressed. And we're going to start seeing some pretty, pretty clever growth initiatives start to play out. And we saw the beginnings of that in that uh, second half of that most recent result. So I think it's all to play for Chris, to be honest.
0: And their balance sheet's looking uh, more healthy. They've been paying down some debt. What what sort of conditions are they in now?
1: Yeah, the balance sheet's in great shape. Uh, they've they've paid down the debt. They they essentially raised um, raised that equity to to to, to buy Adora, um, so they could essentially um, leave the balance sheet alone. So the balance sheet's in great shape. Um, what we have seen them uh, unveil or talk to, which may mean they're going to spend a bit more money, and Fugum certainly will, is they've unveiled somewhat of a strategy map as to where they where they want to take the business. Um, you know, the, the, a business that's in a reset mode, which this one is, doesn't necessarily want to be just paying out dividends. If they've got a growth agenda, uh, they ought to be getting after it. The three planks to the, to, the, to the growth strategy revolve around the core business that they need to optimise. They need to integrate, integrate the adora uh, acquisition and bring that in. They need to fine tune the network, the labs, the facilities, the day hospitals. So that's all going to take place. They need to squeeze the synergies out of the acquisitions. That's the optimizing the core. They've also said they're going to focus on genetics. They've recruited a genetic pathologist and they're going to invest and spend time and clearly capital on um, tie ups with startups in the whole genomic um, genetic mapping process to get on top of this important part of science, genetics. And the final thing they're going to do with that balance sheet, they're going to spend, and they have been spending money on a a part of the business known as precision fertility. And they've spent about $8 million to date, probably a bit more to go. And that is really, it's their foray into artificial intelligence and essentially dumbing it down to terms that you and I could get. It's essentially using AI to tease good embryos out from bad embryos so that uh, when a patient comes in, they've got the best chance of a success because Virtus at the end of the day, like Monash and like all these players, they're in the business of selling success rates. The greater success they can sell with their IVF programs, the greater the roll-up, the greater the uh, conversion and the, and, the, and it feeds on itself. And that's why the business is back reinvesting in itself because it can see that window, it needs to get
0: after it. So right now it's, it looks like a. A, an attractive value type stock, if you like. Does that investment in the genomics in particular gives them some scalability down the track where it does get re-rated and starts to trade potentially you know, at a multiple that's not quite as sharp as the, as the 12 times PE?
1: Look, that's there's, it's entirely possible. I, I, I was on the website the other day on the net just going through and looking at some of these 23 Freds, threads and Four bio a couple of the startups that they seem to be in bed with they've got these collaborations that they've formed i'm not exactly sure how much money they're contributing to the collaborations um but that is the sort of stuff that they should be doing Uh, you don't bet the farm on those sorts of things but that is where to your point where company making initiatives um ideas concepts pieces of science can come from um and then we've seen in many listed companies where a company embarks on a a project like that and then all of a sudden these particular projects take a life of their own and all of a sudden start to get a critical mass attract good people and then you can assign a valuation to them so that's ultimately what the name of the game is um, I just say it's early days it put 8 million bucks in um, well that's the, that's the precision fertility business but certainly the, the genetics business as well will eventually involve a capital outlay a capital allocation and that's where we're backing Chris we're backing we're backing the, the management team to with their, with their own knowledge, their, their scientific backgrounds to back the right horses. But there's no doubt about it. This is what you want businesses to be doing. You don't want them just sitting there and running running the business for cash and then paying you a nice dividend, and we all like nice dividend yields, of course. Um, but when there's such an opportunity out there, um, I actually want to see my emerging companies, my small companies that I'm investing in. I want to see them getting after it, and I think that's what you're going to see.
0: And so I'll let you go in a minute, but when you look at a business like this, how do you view it through an economic moat lens? Do you think it's got a strong economic moat or is there the ability for new capital to come in and recreate what Virtus have relatively easily? Yeah, that's,
1: that's, a, that's a good question. I mean, we we, we all, almost always ask our potential investee companies, what's the barrier to entry? What's so special about you and how would you see off potential competitors? Look, I think Virtus is the number one player in the Australian market. They've just bought number three. So they've got a a decent sort of size position. Um, I think one thing they've gotten right, and I know Monash got it right, is these sorts of businesses, um, they have to manage doctors and specialists um, who sometimes don't run with the same sort of... Well, they certainly don't run with the same sort of commercial mind that a fund manager does. Um, so they've got different motivations. I need to manage them and bring them along for the journey because Virtus without its specialists hasn't got a business. Virtus were very clever in incentivizing 100% of all doctors. That wasn't always the case. Virtus have done that as Monash have now. So you have doctors on board who are incentivized for great outcomes. Now, Virtus provide the science. They provide the facilities, the reputation, the brand name. Um, a newcomer turns up, um, turns up with capital. Um, it's gonna be very hard to romance the doctors away. It's gonna be very hard to hang your shingle out. Yes, they could take over an existing player, there'll be a capital cost clearly involved in that. Um, That's always a possibility. But I think the reputation that Virtus has, and Monash for that matter as well, and Jenea, the reputation for the Australian operators are outstanding. Um, And I think think given the sunk capital, given the doctor base, the way in which they're all aligned, the Virtus doctors and specialists are aligned for for joint outcomes, joint successful outcomes, I think it just makes it a bit hard for, for for an interloper to turn up I mean, you're more likely to get if the Vertus share price gets too cheap, and I'm not saying this is gonna happen, but you're more likely to get someone think that, hang on, this business has gone too far, it's too cheap. You're more likely to get someone look at, um, at something like a Virtus, but that's me hypothesizing. We're a, we're a shareholder that um, hasn't liked, particularly the most recent share price sell off, so we're looking for a bit of a bounce. But, um, but I think, look, it makes it hard for news to later. They've got a good moat and it's their science, it's their service and their reputation that is that mode.
0: Well, it'd be a very nice problem for you to have if an overseas group did, did, uh, did come a knocking. So uh, good <laughs> luck with it. I'll be following it with interest and, uh, and thanks very much again for, for coming back on the show. Thanks Chris, nice to be here. This episode of Talk Your Book was proudly brought to you by Honan, who go beyond a transactional insurance broker to deliver better outcomes for their clients. If you're enjoying Talk Your Book, make sure you subscribe to Chris Judd Invest. Nothing you hear today should be considered investment advice. Please do your own research and seek out your own financial advisor before committing any capital to these markets.